you know, a, a lot of our work is also just kind of luck as well. Yeah. Getting cast because there's only one ro one role and there's like, you know, 50 to 300 people auditioning for the same role. Only one person's going to get it. And like, just because you don't get it doesn't mean that you're a terrible actor. It's just that there's only one role to fill. Right. My name is Xanthi Huen. I am a voice actor and you may know me from works such as Persona 5, Fire Emblem Three Houses, Sailor Moon Eternal, Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak, and Apex Legends Mobile. Welcome to the Vietnamese. I'm your host, Kenneth Nguyen. Being part of a culture of nearly 100 million Vietnamese people in the world today comes with a lot of pain, proud history, and privilege. Join me as I highlight and explore the Vietnamese experience from all over the world. Thank you so much. What does it mean to be Vietnamese to you nowadays? It's such a loaded question. It's like, how do I encapsulize like my whole like heritage? <laughs> uh, I, I guess I, I'm technically like half Vietnamese and Chinese, um, but like uh, I, I think culturally I grew up a little bit more on the Vietnamese side. The history, like my parents were uh, boat people that escaped during the, like that traveled during the war. Um, you know, it's about the food, it's about family, it's so much, <laughs> really. I don't even know where to start. But um, that's what I think when I hear, like, you know, what it means to be Vietnamese. You have a very unique name, um, spelled X-A-N-T-H-E, and I was trying to figure out <laughs> what the origin story was. Would you, can you share that with me? Well, it's a lot of people always ask, like, is that Vietnamese? And I'm like, no, it's definitely not. Um, my, my, my parents are like, when I was born, um, I was given a Vietnamese name and it's Ha and um, it's spelled H-A. And so one of my aunts told my mom, like, she's going to get made fun of in school. You can't name her that. Mm. And so my mom went to sit, she looked through like a name, baby name book to look for like a, a cool name that nobody will make fun of. And um, she happened upon Xanthi and she went to city hall and changed my name to that. And growing up, um, I was very frustrated with it because, you know, nobody knew how to spell it or pronounce it. I mean, it still happens now. Um, it's like a Greek name. It means um, golden and yellow. It's a, you know, very beautiful, I think. Um, but um, it wasn't until probably when I was like in my teens that I appreciated um, having such a unique name that nobody else has. Because then I wouldn't be like like the, the fifth like Jennifer in class, you know, <laughs> something yeah. like that. So I always, I appreciated having like a, a unique name. And and your mother, is she a, like a very unique thinker in, in terms of, you know, the way she does things? I would say so. She's very creative, very ta uh, uh, talented um, in like, you know, home decor and like especially cooking. It's like amazing. Um, my parents used to own like restaurants and like I worked there <laughs> quite a bit too. I was like a lot of like, you know, like immigrant families go. Um she's very strong-willed and a very loving mother yeah i mean to look for a name like your name and it's not um <laughs> vietnamese based it's it takes a lot of courage to and it takes thinking out of, outside the box and the reason i ask this is because oftentimes how we turn out you know has a lot to do with who we are influenced by and the first people are our parents and 
you know, when you're given a name like that, or you're giving sort of this freedom to kind of express and kind of be you, I, I think that's sort of like the root of, of where people like you come from and, and the roots of your, the way you think oftentimes comes from this freedom of, of expressing. Mm -hmm. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Now, how did you get into voice acting? So I think my path is a bit unique to me. And like, if you ask any actor how they got into like their fields, like it's never the same. For me, I had had some experience with theater, like, um, like in middle school and high school. And I also pursued it um, in college. And so I had like an acting background. And one day I was watching anime. I was like a really big anime fan in uh, when I was in college. And I just thought, oh, it'd be cool if I could merge my two passions mm. together. And that would be voice acting for like anime or animation or whatnot. And I've always loved watching cartoons and like watching people play video games. And um, I didn't really know how to get into it. <laughs> like, how do you start any career? Um, I was talking to some of my castmates. Um, we were in rehearsal. And I just told them about this brilliant thing that I just uh, thought of, voice acting. How do I get into it? And one of them had mentioned that um, they had heard of a competition at a convention called, uh, called Anime Expo. And um, that the winner had previously gotten the opportunity to go and work at a studio. So I was like, oh, that's really cool. I don't know anything about this. Um, I'll go try it out and like just see what it's like. And then maybe really pursue it in the following year because I didn't think that I would make it that far but I was very lucky and I made it as a finalist um, and and the winner of the the competition would have the opportunity to go get a studio tour and uh, opportunity to audition for them and I didn't win but they liked me enough that they brought me in anyway so it's like i was like the secret winner uh so, wait, and, wait a minute um, so what what happens in that competition or that contest like what went on uh <laughs> at you say was that comic-con anime, anime expo yes in la yeah at the convention center so it was different than how it's uh formatted nowadays at the time you had to find a monologue either from an anime or a video game, memorize it, uh, and then come to the competition and perform it. So it was a lot different than nowadays. I think the way they have it now is they have it kind of like how you would do it in like the studio. They would have a script and then you would read the script. But back then you had to memorize it and come in. So it was kind of, it felt like a, a theater audition. Um, but yeah, so I, <laughs> I, Actually, when I got up, I was so nervous to perform in front of people. And I was so nervous that I got up and then I said about three words and then I it just blanked out. I forgot all the words and I was like shaking in my boots. And so I just started mumbling. I was like, no, and then it came back and I was like, okay. And then I just like went on autopilot and I was like, I did it. I did the thing. And then one of the judges was like, oh, it was hard to understand you at first, but then it really like kicked in. And I was like, okay, I'm glad they didn't notice that I had this temporary like Blackout. heart attack. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wow! And then uh, for the for the finalist round, 
they had us on this huge stage and it was more like a like a normal dubbing session for anime where you would go cue by cue so you have a line they would do like play the three beeps and then on the fourth imaginary beep is when you would start talking so that it would match the timing of like the picture and so we did a couple rounds of that and then they would play it back play the scene back and hold just to see how you did yeah wow so that's how these voice actors are found in the anime space huh at least for me <laughs> and so once you uh get the was it a studio that called you back or how did the callback work out yeah, so the uh, so Bang Zoom Entertainment, they were the ones hosting the competition, and um, so they were the ones that actually um, got my information after the competition was done, and um, so they reached out to me and then uh, planned a day for me to come and just do a tour of their studio, and then I got to sit in on the session just to see somebody else working, and then they had me go into studio and they had a bunch of sample scripts for me to read for them. So just to get an idea of like uh, my voice, my range, and what I'm capable of. And at the time, I had no idea yeah, yeah, what no I was idea. doing as far as uh, voice acting in particular goes. Now, after that experience, uh, do you get locked into that studio uh, specifically? Or do you have an agent and manager? Do you sign up? I mean, how does the workflow for your life happens after that first initial uh, studio tour? I guess I was just lucky in that um, they, because they had me on their radar, um, I would get like patterns or like uh, sometimes um, based on just like my sound, they, they would just auto autocast me in a role that would suit me. Um, so I didn't have an agent for the longest time. You, you didn't have a, a, an agent or manager right away? No, for the longest time, um, I also, it was hard because I was also a student. Um, for me, um, I was going to school at UC. A lot of studios are up in North Hollywood, Burbank, which is about like an hour to two hour drive. So it was kind of hard. I didn't really work very consistently for the first however many years of my career. Um, I was also like helping my parents out at their restaurant, trying to balance like, um, everything um and i probably didn't get an agent for like until like 10 years after my career it like oh. really started so for me it was a very gradual growth i only had connections with this one studio and then i would take classes just to get like you know at least experience and exposure to other either studios or other uh, casting agents so that uh potentially if they liked me enough then they would send me opportunities to audition for them um or if i had worked with um, a director at one studio if they went to another studio and they were like oh i know somebody that's good for that part and they would bring me over to audition at that other studio so then so that's how i kind of like grew my network it was very slow and gradual whereas nowadays i feel like there's a lot more opportunities um mainly because of uh, like Twitter, a lot of people post things on there now. There's a lot of like these online databases that you can put yourself on, um, which is really great for a lot of <clears throat> actors that are starting now compared to like when I first started. Yeah. Well, when you were going through school, I mean, what was your backup plan in terms of education? Uh, you know, 
it wasn't voiceover work, right? You were intending to become somebody else? Yeah, I actually did not know what I really wanted to do. And I wasn't sure if I was going to pursue acting. I mean, I went in for the um, like drama major. Um, and so mm -hmm. I figured I would do something industry related if I didn't pursue acting. Because I never, as much as I love theater, um, you know, the... <laughs> The, uh, the concept of memorizing anything yeah. is like so stressful. Um, but so I figured, oh, I, I, I love production work. I love being involved. I, I even took um, some classes in uh, sound design because I was like, oh, okay, if I, if voice acting even doesn't work out for me, then maybe I can go into um, the sound engineering side of it. Um, so I, I guess that was my general plan. Um, just to kind of like stay somewhere like somewhat involved in, in it all. Yeah, that makes sense. So can you tell me a little bit about how you stumbled onto the Micah project? Yeah, for Micah, um, actually, so um, Edward Hong, um, who like heads the PGMVO list, uh, he reached out to me personally to ask if, he first asked, hey, are you comfortable doing boy voices <laughs> and I was like yeah I I am and he was like okay I have a potential like uh audition that I want to send you I'm like all right cool um and so they sent me the audition and I had like a bunch of characters like um from the show from the movie um it was like um like girls and boys and then some older characters and I was like okay well I I know that my voice tends to run a bit young, so I mostly auditioned for the younger characters, including who, who I actually went on to go play in the movie. Um, and uh, yeah, so I thought it was really cool that um, Edward and the team like really tried hard to uh, focus on getting a Vietnamese cast for this movie. I think because it's um, culturally so important to them. Yeah to the movie and it takes place in Vietnam as well. Um, so I just thought that was really amazing. I had never worked on a Vietnamese project before and never dubbed like anything Vietnamese to English. So it, it was just like an amazing opportunity to really connect with that um, cultural side of me. Yeah, I don't think that there were there has been any Vietnamese movies made in Vietnam dubbed entirely in English and done this way. Now mm -hmm. I might be wrong, you know, but I don't think I, I can't recall another project where there has been, um, you know, this, this wide of a, uh, this big of a, a scope, um, in terms of, I think there was like a dozen voiceover actors, um, for this film for Micah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's just yeah. a new thing, very new thing for the Vietnamese uh, film community. Yeah, very, very, very cool. <laughs> I'm very glad that we got to be a part of this and for it to have like a theatrical release even. Like it does, it's not just like straight to video, but it had like an opportunity to reach a wider audience. Yeah, yeah. Now, when can you tell me a little bit about the process of re a recording session, like from start to finish? So for live action dubbing, like Micah, um, they used um, a program, I think 
it's like voice cue or there's like rhythm band. There's like a couple of different ones, but basically it feels like voice acting karaoke, mm. which is really difficult if you're not used to it because there's um, this, the lines run across the screen. And then when it hits a certain marker, then that's when you're supposed to start talk talking. So then it's supposed to match the timing of when characters open and close their mouths. And um and it goes really quick. Usually you go by, like scene by scene, so you can get throughout an entire scene. Um, I guess like instead of like um, other forms of like dubbing, where if you go line by line, it can feel very disjointed emotionally. So if you go through a whole scene, it's if there's like a better flow, uh, emotional flow. But again, like because you're reading the words for the first time, it can be very jarring because it's like, okay, I don't really know where I'm heading. Yeah. towards the end of this sentence oh it's a surprise question mark now <laughs> that's that sounded awkward but i mean with the the great thing about voiceover is that you can start stop stop and start again and do another take um and um what was great though was that we had ham on working on directing it too so he, you know obviously he knows right. this movie inside and out and um, because he also speaks Vietnamese and he can say like, oh, you know what? That translation's a little weird. Let me rewrite that so it makes more sense. Or, um, you know, it doesn't look right when the character is like talking. Let me rewrite it a little bit so it matches their mouth a little bit more. So it's a little bit more seamless and doesn't feel very dubby looking. Um, and so that's like the main process there. So you usually you would get, um, you get to watch over the scene once and then you would do a pass. So then the, you would see the, the band with your, with your line and you would read that. Sometimes they'll put in the other bands of like other characters so you can know what you're responding to. So you're kind of like reading and like, um, and like acting at the same time. Um, it's quite a balancing act to be like, okay, I need to know like, okay, this is, I need to hit this emotional beat here, here, and here while reading at the same time. And I have to say like, it's not always easy just to read yeah. <laughs> out loud. Because I can imagine sort of the pacing, the tone, the emotionality, all of these things need to say, stay consistent to what's being shown and what's previously recorded from the previous actor or from the main actor, right? Yeah. So when you're previewing, like, um, I, I try to, as much as I can to remember like that particular actor's like, like ticks or habits, um, or if they're, if they hit like certain emotional beats, I want to make sure that I, I try to hit something close along those lines so that, um, you know, I'm honoring what the original actor did as well and meshing it with like my interpretation as well. Yeah, it sounds such a, a tricky proposition. <laughs> it's like mind gymnastics, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And how was it working with Ham? Ham is so lovely. He's so sweet. And like, really, I feel like he's like, like a kid at heart as well, yeah, which is like, you know, which is great because it's the, the, the main cast are like children. And so he's like, it's so um, satisfying to see him on the other side of the glass, like yeah. laughing at something that he's probably seen a million times, <laughs> but, you know, getting to see it in like uh, a different form when I'm performing it. You know, the, the beauty of Ham is he's, you know, very kid-like, childlike, but at the same time, he's a master of his craft. He 
Yes. He knows he, filmmaking inside and out. He's so specific. Our, our um, engineer, Kyle, he... He's so patient because him would be like, okay, like of that pass, like of, I want to mix like the that first pass and the second pass, but I want this line here, that line here, and then you didn't have to like puzzle it all together. So I'm like sitting there and just like listening to him, like you know, really orchestrate how he wants um, it all put together. Yeah. Now Im imagine how well he knows that space, but. On top of it, you know, he was an English lit major at UCLA. So, you know, he knows, mm -hmm. you know, books very well. He knows music very well. He can sing <laughs> very well. He's he's just Oh, a, I didn't know that. Yeah, he can sing very well, plays instruments. He's a he's a pretty interesting person, you know. And I think you sort of need all of that to to recreate a world, right? Like you're recreating mm -hmm. these worlds of 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 kids or drama or action or horror you kind of have to know music you know writing you know what you're looking at visually what makes good shots so ham has yeah. a lot of skill sets that uh that's required to be a good director mm -hmm. yeah that's amazing definitely because like i can only imagine what it's like when you're when he's like actually they're filming on set he's like okay already thinking like how it's going to cut yeah. together how the emotional pace is going to go what music's going to like track it behind uh, behind all the dialogue and everything That's yeah amazing. And, and the reason i bring that up is because it makes me think about voice acting i think when you think about voice actors uh you hear certain things but there's like if you really pay attention there's like these textures i think to human voices right but mm -hmm. what what are the the elements that create texture it's your your experience it's your way of thinking it's what you've read what you've consumed uh in terms of uh, of content what do you think has contributed to the texture in your specific arsenal your voice arsenal oh wow um definitely uh, consuming other media <laughs> I think I um I also tend to like um media that has like you know like children as protagonists mm. so like um I th think that's really shown in my work at least and it also kind of just suits like my voice type and also like watching other people's work and then uh, they always say like oh like um good actors borrow great actors steal so if you see something that's really great that you like you you know it's always great to like, kind of put a, put that in your own pocket and even if your like imitation of it isn't like exactly like that other actor or a person you you create something new because it's a little bit of you and them as well so i'd say that's uh that's how it is for me even like when i'm coming up with like characters are deciding like oh what's like the right vocal placement for people right and how much time do you get to prep on a typical job that's really complicated well most of the time there is no prep because we never get voice acting scripts ahead of time very rarely do we get that opportunity so for unless like i would assume i think for like commercial scripts you'll usually get that ahead of time sometimes for for animation scripts as well. Video games for dubbing, I usually never see that ahead of time. Um, so it's always, you have to kind of come in uh, prepared for anything because a lot of times they don't even tell you 
what the project is, what character you're playing, anything about your character at all. Um, you come in and the director will be like, all right, this is the overall storyline of this project. This is your character. This is how they view everything. And then you go. <laughs> um, and then I feel like it always takes like maybe like the first like 10, 15 minutes for you to really hone in on the character. And they're like, okay, that's where you want, we want you to stay. Um, but for the, in the case of uh, Micah, uh, Ham was really generous in like giving us the opportunity to uh, see the scripts ahead of time and he also sent a screener so then I was able to kind of like watch and like read along with the script to have an idea of like where it's going and like a better understanding of the character so when I went in I don't feel as like uh, surprised about what's going on right I mean some some directors like love having that because like oh then if you're you know, surprised at the reveal, that's what the character is going through right. too. But so I think I can see there's like pros and cons, but it's, I personally like to be prepared um, as much as possible. So I think it was really nice that he was able to give us, you know, the tools to, before we come in. You know, uh, you sound like you've made a lot of sort of strides in, in your work and you've been at it for a long time, but I'm, pretty sure that there were probably some dark times and some tough times um, in the early years. What, what kind of made you sort of strong enough or allowed you to kind of punch through and take it this far? Um, I think motivation wise, I, I definitely yeah. like early on in my career, like the work is very consistent. Even now, like, it, you know, you have your dry spells and then sometimes it's just like raining work. Um, but for me, like, I don't know, I just enjoy it so much. I really love the community. Um, I find voiceover, um, people to be very, very chill. Like, yeah. um, if they get an audition and they're like, oh, I'm not really right for this character, but my friend is really great at these kind of voices. And then like, we'll recommend each other. And I really love that kind of community. Um, and, um, you know, animation and video games are just really fun. Um, but yeah, for me, like when it's, when I'm going through like a slump, um, I just, I, I tend to sign up for classes just to be like, all right, um, you know, got to hone those chops, got to stay on top of trends, um, got to know the different um, genres of voice actors. So like, okay, I mostly, I, I tend to focus a lot on character, which is like animation, video games. And so I'm like, okay, maybe I should take a little bit more classes to get a little bit better at like commercial work or promo work. Um, and um, also just, it's kind of nice to have like reassurance that I'm doing okay. <laughs> have, a, have a teacher in class be like, okay, you're, you're on the right track. So it's, you know, a, a lot of our work is also just kind of luck as well. Yeah. Getting cast because there's only one, ro one role and there's like, you know, 50 to 300 people audition for the same role. Only one person's going to get it. And like, just because you don't get it doesn't mean that you're a terrible actor. It's just that there's only one role to fill. Right. Um, but yeah, I think um, for me, um, I've discovered a, the healthier outlook is to view each audition as an opportunity to play and an opportunity to show the casting director that I um, 
you know, what I can do, show them my acting chops. So I just always want to send in the best possible audition out there as possible. And that is like my main goal is to like get on someone's like, you know, like good folder. So if they, if they um, have like little minor roles that they need to fill that they don't have the time to audition for, they can just be like, Oh, I remember this person being really good at this kind of character. Let me just pull them in to do right. that little bit. So, yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's kind of game that I use for auditions. That's amazing. Now, where do you uh, go to your classes? And then, you know, I think my question really is, when you are in a slump, how do you know you're in a slump then to go to classes? You know, like, what is the timing? How long does it take for you to go into a slump and then be like, oh, it's time to take classes. And then where do you go to classes? Majority of the time, like if I see like a really interesting class or like a casting director that I want to like get to know better and like, what are their like, pet like, do they prefer to hear when they get auditions and um, just see what it's like to work with them? Then if I see one, then I just like sign up for it immediately. Uh, sometimes it's recommendations from other actors. If they're like, oh, this teacher is amazing. You need to take their class. Then I'll definitely keep an eye out for them or like I'll follow them on their social media. So then if they announce that, oh, I'm offering a class, then I can just jump on it right away. Um, there's like a lot of really amazing places for classes. Um, there's like the video voiceover like resource that has like a lot of uh, listings of like classes, coaches, uh, studios, teachers on there. Um, um, a lot of classes, like some of them that I took before the pandemic, a lot of them took place in studios. So it was always nice to get the chance to be yeah. in the studio space, to know what it's like on the other side of the glass, what, like watching another actor perform, what it's like to be in the studio and like how to like act in front of a mic. Cause like, if you have experience with theater or on camera, it's wildly different than approach um, for voiceover because, you know, nobody's going to be able to see the expression in your eyes. They might be able to hear it a little bit in your voice, but you sometimes you, you need to amplify it a little bit more to convey certain emotions. Also, you know, you learn like what it's like to like kind of act within like a, like a certain space around the mic. Cause if you move too far off mic, then it's going to sound um, inconsistent. Um, so I always liked um, opportunities when classes were in studio, I'll, but I feel like these days, a lot of it is virtual because it's so much more convenient to perform, um, you know, in your home studio over zoom with the casting director. And that way you can also get to get the chance to like practice, uh, writing your gain if you like you don't want to blow out your mic and everybody else's ears um but yeah um I love taking classes because um you get to see so many other people perform and sometimes like if you perform the same copy then you can see like oh when a casting director is listening to auditions they're listening to the same lines over and over again and sometimes there's like a certain like um trend of like certain choices made over and right. over again or you can kind of see like where people deviate and um, the, see how they they work and be like, oh, okay, that's a really cool um, way to approach it. I'm, I want to I want to try to do that for myself. So classes are really really valuable to me. I get really inspired when I watch other people act. Yeah, yeah that that's a mark of a true professional. Is um, you know when 
you have free time, you get better. You try to find people who can make you a better actor, mm -hmm. better uh, voiceover person. And that's a mark of a true professional because, you know, we are constantly changing. And if we're, if we're not going up, we're going down. Right. So it's yeah. like, we never, as human beings, we don't stay. It, it's like, we don't, it's rare that we just sit still or stand still, but you mm -hmm. know, either you can get better or you, you just not improving on your game. Yeah. I'm always trying to, I guess. And like, um, I think maybe it's because like I had hadn't had an agent in, for so long, and so even now with my agency, like um, you know, they having an agent just helps you to like get access to um, more auditions, like the ones that are only sent to agencies, like like bigger clients and like union work. But um, even besides like having my agency, like I always try to seek out um, audition opportunities for myself as well. Like if I see them on like, like say Twitter, um, then I'll reach out and be like, Hey, I've never worked with you before, but, um, here are my demos. I work with this agency, you know, I'd love to work with you and then see if anything, um, comes back from it, like an audition or something. So it's always good to kind of like, still like, you know, keep, keep going at it to try to like find more work. <laughs> Have you been to Vietnam before? I haven't. Isn't that crazy? Um, I, yeah, I haven't had the opportunity to yet. I I hope to someday. Like probably go back with my 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 parents or something just to kind of yeah. Um, because I you know they would have a better t easier time getting around and also just kind of learn learn from them like what their life or their childhoods were like there and how it's different from now. Yeah. What do you, what do you think it'll be like? Ah, I'm not really sure. I guess like for me, like I've seen pictures from before, but I'm sure like, you know, it's really industrialized now, depending like cities and places that you go to. Um, but I don't know. I think a thing that I would look most forward to is like food, like <laughs> really delicious food. <laughs> <laughs> but you live in the OC, right? I do. The food in, in Orange County, I mean, yeah. I, this is very controversial, very controversial for me to say, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, uh, it has one of, I think Vietnam has the best Vietnamese food. I mean, OC has the best Vietnamese food in the world. Mm. Yeah. Very controversial thing to say, but, yes. but, but, but <laughs> if you think about it, right? Um, we have here in California uh, produce that's grown. We have uh, the best seafood. We have the best meats. We have the best ingredients for all of the, you know, these culinary treats. And <laughs> Vietnam, uh, it's getting better though, um, is the motherland. Uh, you know, the, obviously the food comes from there. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and I'm biased because I, you know, the, the food in Orange County, Vietnamese food is so robust. And sometimes in yeah. Vietnam, it's inconsistent, but you know, obviously it's the origin, the birthplace of all the dishes that we, we, we get to enjoy. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, okay. I make, even though like that, that's good to keep in mind. So I don't go over there and be like, hmm, <laughs> I've had this before. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people go over there with this expectation that the pho is like dynamite, but mm -hmm. you know, it's difficult to, 
find like high quality beef, high quality beef bones, high quality food that's, you know, all of these things are are kind kind of lacking in some ways. You know, they have to bring in Australian beef sometimes and not all places are using the same ingredients. So it's very inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just my yeah. controversial. <laughs> yeah, obviously I'm making I'm sure also like the hot weather makes it hard to like joy like overheated well i look forward to seeing and hearing your voice in uh the new micah you know it's all out on uh, vod now we can catch it on the streaming service so i look forward which character do you play again i play uh the lead boy home he is uh so spunky he's really like he's the actor for him is like incredible like this really incredible young actor yeah. uh he has a lot of like really emotional scenes with his parents and then he has like a lot of like fun like playful side when he's with the other kids um yeah i'm really grateful to be his like english voice because <laughs> like they go through so much in this like short amount of time yeah, it's amazing that you're playing a little boy's um, a character. I, I can't wait to, to see it. <laughs> well, Santi, thank you so much for, for coming on. I know it's early in the morning, and uh, I appreciate uh, you getting and coordinating this on very last you know minute with, uh, with Ham. Yeah, thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun. I really hope a lot of people get to watch it. Yes, I do too, because it's a great film. And thank you once again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Vietnamese with Kenneth Nguyen. The Vietnamese is produced by Brittany Tran. Special thanks to Jane Nguyen, Catherine Nguyen, Tina Pham, Sydney Jamie, and Christo Trin. Please find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at The Vietnamese Podcast. You can also find us on YouTube, where you can subscribe, like, and comment. Please rate and give us a review wherever you find our podcasts.